0: Welcome to the Anod Wright audio blog. Your voiceover diva is Dr. Donna Oriolo. Please note that the information found in this and other blog posts is a matter of researched opinion. Direct your concerns or questions to questions at anodwright.com. Direct your comments to the comment section and share on social media using the hashtag AnadWrightSpeaks. Warning, content on the audio blog may be different from the written blog. My thoughts too fast and my mouth too quick. Sorry, not sorry. We are feeling so official over here. You can now catch us on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Apple News Channel, and of course, com. Check your favorite space and subscribe. Leaving some feedback wouldn't be unwelcome either. Hey, hey, y'all. This week's blog post is called the gaps in your orgasm, where they are and why written by yours truly Dr. Donna Oriowo, September 7, 2018. A couple of weeks ago on the eve of the new month, September, a podcast episode for Kings of the heart was released with yours truly as a guest, we were talking about the orgasm gap, or in other words, What is or where does the barrier lie that many women are not able to experience orgasms that they so desperately want at the same rate as male bodies? So let's talk about that. The elusive orgasm. I can give you all kinds of answers as to why some folk are not able to personally meet their goal for orgasm satisfaction. And what barriers they have been experiencing that makes orgasm feel so elusive. But what I have found in working with clients and others who talk about their issue of achieving orgasm, usually with a male partner, is that white supremacist, capitalist, cisgender, heteronormative patriarchy is at play. Yep, I said what I said. White supremacist heteronormative patriarchy has mind fucked us all into some level of submission at some point in our lives. And while we may fight against it in these streets, we don't even consider the ways in which it has impacted us on a sexual level. The point is that sexuality has been completely hijacked to the point where the only sexuality that is considered healthy or normal is the sex between a dominant white man and his submissive, not really interested in sex except to please her husband, white woman. All other sex and sexuality is deemed as other and thus varying levels of deviant. And the thing is, you already know that. Look at how we treat various folks in the good old U.S. of A. Women aren't supposed to want sex because it's not for them. Sex between same-sex couples isn't considered real sex unless a penis is involved. If you want more than one person in your bed, then something is supposed to be amiss with you. There are so many rules and regulations on what you can do, and most of those rules serve only to shame you. Let's think about it like this. White women are seen as being pure and chaste. They are considered to be the height of beauty and cannot be sullied. They are the Madonna, but they get confused too, like most of us do, because they're supposed to look like sex and be pleasing to white men, but they are not supposed to want sex for themselves. It's a whole Madonna whore dichotomy. They are supposed to give sex as though it's a gift, grudgingly to their husbands who have sexual needs that they are obliged to meet. They are only allowed to marginally enjoy the sexual activities, but never pursue it. So what about colored folks? If the white folk relationship is the outline of the ultimate in sexual relationships and all others are then deemed deviant, people of color can get pretty far away from that ideal pretty quickly, if only by virtue of not being white. The second you have stepped outside of the preferred race box, You are now thought of as a sexualized, deviant other. Asian men are often asexualized in media. They are thought of as having small penises and are undesirable for sexual or romantic relationships. Asian women, conversely, are exotified and deemed geishas who are sexually submissive and highly erotic. Latinx men are sexualized and seen as macho men who are womanizers with great sexy dance moves while at the same time being seen as unsuitable for relationships. Latinx women are spicy hatamales who are exotic and sexy. Black men are sex horses with large dicks but are violent womanizers. And black women are overly sexed to the point of masculinity, the Jezebel, or asexualized because of dark skin, fat bodies, and nappy hair, the mammy. There is power in these tropes that are, that are always at play. They play out in relationships that we have, and of course, they seep into our sexuality. For a white person, having a relationship with a person of color automatically raises eyebrows on why someone of their caliber is with someone who is assumed to be less than them and usually it's assumed that they're there for some level of sexual gratification many black women in interracial relationships have spoken about this phenomenon, about how people assume that they are only there to sexually please the white man they're with especially since the idea purported is that black women are not desirable partners It is an automatic judgment based in what the white supremacist heteronormative patriarchal standards have said. Because being a black woman automatically places you in direct opposition to white women who are considered the height of desirability. Sex, power, orgasm. I'm not saying that people are thinking about white supremacist heteronormative patriarchy explicitly when they're having sex. It's more implicit and more insidious than that. More built in the traditions of what you're supposed to do and how you're supposed to behave. It's about societal levels of propriety in what is considered acceptable and what isn't. I'm thinking more about the occurrences that makes or takes a woman outside of her body to consider all the things except the pleasure she is supposed to be experiencing. Ideas like that women are not supposed to really enjoy sex, or give it up too quickly, or have a large body count because these things make her a whore who is less desirable and less worthy of the ultimate goal, marriage. This is a form of white supremacist heteronormative patriarchy. Or when black women, especially those with natural hair, are concerned that their hair doesn't blow in the wind, isn't hair that fingers can run through, and are concerned about how their hair looks when they are involved in coitus because they won't have that sexy white woman bed hair. Because black women are taught that their hair is not acceptable in various spaces and that though an Afro can look good, it isn't sexy. Feelings of shame about not being the right type of sexy is also based in white supremacist heteronormative patriarchy. Or, for my final example, when women with fat bodies or women who think they could have fat bodies are concerned about what they look like and if they are attractive to their partner. When they are told and feel like they have to take what they can get because no one else will want them, when they start to position their bodies differently or suck it in or turn off the lights or otherwise do what they can to detract from their partner looking at their bodies. This spectatoring is based on an internal dialogue that has been given to them by, you guessed it, white supremacist heteronormative patriarchy. The focus and emphasis we place on the penis and the penis's guaranteed ability to have an orgasm is based in patriarchy. For many people, sex isn't even considered sex unless the penis bearer has ejaculated. We think that the only real sex is sex where a penis is involved. This is also based on white supremacist heteronormative patriarchy. The various ways we are ashamed about our bodies and the act of sex is also who is supposed to like it, men, and how someone is supposed to react to the desire of their sex by others, For women to be appalled and secretly happy is based in the same stuff. There is a game being played that is absolutely exhausting and not benefiting to people of color and especially not for women of color. For women of color and especially black women, there's a constant and consistent invalidation of our right to healthy sexuality based in pleasure and free from shame. How pretty or ugly we are based on white supremacist standards is at play. Whether or not we are the good girl or the bad girl and what that means, whether or not we are being played or have somehow been tricked into giving up the cookie and what that says about our character and our worth as women. We are constantly seeing images that say sex is not for us, but rather for male bodies who would have us. There are constantly messages that demean us for having sex and otherwise make us feel less worth, like less worthy human beings. But taking hold of and experiencing all of your sexual pleasure despite the rhetoric is one of the most beautiful and pleasurable acts of defiance. We have been told that orgasms are mostly for male bodies and that if a female body doesn't experience one, it's either not a big deal or something is wrong with her. We lie for someone's penis all the time, saying they are hitting something they are not, or otherwise giving Oscar-worthy performances about orgasms we have never experienced. That has to stop. Holding ourselves and our partners accountable for mutual pleasure is a must. So here are my tips for reaching O-Town. Number one, practice clear, consistent communication. We are no longer lying when we aren't experiencing pleasure telling the truth and communicating about what works and what doesn't work for us is a must. Number two, masturbate so that you can know your own body and find what turns you on and gets you there. This helps with communicating with your partners about what we want and what we don't want because we now know. Number three. Practice mindfulness so that you can clear your mind and be present and in the moment, not thinking about the dishes or that asshole at work when you're trying to have sex. When you're thinking about how your hair looks, you're probably not in the moment. Number four, have a ritual that says you are getting relaxed and are ready for sex, putting yourself back into the erotic mindset. This can help to take off those layers of stress you have. Light candles, take a shower, put on that piece of clothing that makes you feel sexy and desirable. Number five, examine your scripts and how shame, blackness, femaleness, etc. impact your sexuality. You can do this with books, you know, and I have some in Dr. O's sex toolbox, or you can do this in therapy. Yeah, I said the T word. And number six, practica, practica, practica. That's what my Spanish teacher always used to say to me. You need to practice all of the above. Discuss, rinse, and repeat. That's all I have for today, folks. Let's chat about this one on Instagram and on Facebook. Look for the post and let me know your thoughts. Let's talk. Don't forget to comment, like, and share. And join me next week. We'll be talking about... Coughing season. All right, y'all. I'm out. Bye.